What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you on a Saturday, September 18th, as the Cardinals just finished off one of, if not the most exciting, exhilarating games of the 2021 season. This might top the list. I know they've had some good ones, especially lately on this run that has now been extended to seven consecutive wins for the Cardinals, all of which have come against postseason hopefuls, other teams that are contending for spots in the National League playoff picture. There have been some good ones, but what the Cardinals did on Saturday night at Bush Stadium with the 2011 team in attendance, the pregame ceremony of that World Championship squad, leading into an Adam Wainwright start. The only thing this game was missing, quite honestly, that it could have had was strikeout number 2,000 for the career of Adam Wainwright because he landed on, after six innings of two-run baseball tonight and not very many strikeouts, he landed on 1,999 Ks for the career. He was that close, one away from making it 2,000. Only had two Ks tonight which is, you know, he's not a huge strikeout guy compared to some of the other Cy Young candidates that you see the Corbin Burnses of the world. But Wayno usually is going to have more than two, but pitched to contact a lot tonight. Said his stuff was very average, and despite that, he ends up with another quality start. Six innings, two earned runs on the game. Only 93 pitches. Cardinals lift him for a pinch hitter, Matt Carpenter, in order to try and score some runs there in the bottom of the sixth inning, which ends up panning out in that Matt Carpenter got off the schneid with a a nice double to lead off that inning. Didn't end up panning out in that the Cardinals did not score any runs in the frame and did not score tonight at all against Hugh Darvish, the starter for San Diego. But nevertheless, Wainwright with just the two strikeouts, he said after the game if he had known that 2,000 was was just one away, he he would have tried to throw some stuff in the dirt to get people to chase in that last inning to see if he couldn't pick up strikeout number 2,000. Said after the, after the game, he didn't even know at the time that he was that close. He thought he was still a couple away. But that was really all that this game was missing because you got plenty of excitement. You got plenty of pageantry, you know, that began before the game with I described it as it was like opening day mixed with a family reunion that you actually want to go to. Because all your old buddies, or, or you could even call it a high school reunion. Would, would people rather go to a high school reunion or a family reunion? But at any rate, it was like all your old buddies, you get together and you see these people who you love to see that you haven't seen or heard from in quite a long time. And it's like, wow, I really enjoy this. This gives me, this gives me great pleasure. And as a kid who was a senior in high school when the Cardinals won the 2011 World Series, a kid who grew up in the St. Louis area, And though I'm a a writer covering the team now for KMOV, I was a Cardinals fan back then and unashamedly so. And so tonight, I I think that's the most I've probably ever smiled in the press box, just watching that pregame ceremony and all the guys riding in on the trucks and remembering some guys, remembering Daniel Descalso and John Jay and Chris Carpenter was there, Matt Holliday, just really cool. It It was a great scene. It set the scene really well for a big pivotal game for the Cardinals. So interesting, too, that you have Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina 
who were both members of that 2011 team as the starting battery on Saturday. And it just felt like one of those nights where Adam Wainwright, he always comes through, right, in those special occasion days. You could tell him it's your birthday. You know, he, he said earlier in the season, I, I, I want to know all the media members, when's it, when's it going to be your birthday? I, I want that on my calendar so that it gives me a little extra incentive because he does. He seems to pitch well on nights where you've got that extra incentive. And I think even on Derek Gould's birthday at some point earlier this year, he did pitch well and said, I knew it was Derek's birthday, so I wanted to, to do well for that. It just seems like no matter what the occasion is, it's you, know, you can find a reason Adam Wainwright's going to gonna come through. He came through tonight for the Cardinals with that quality start. Despite what he called very average stuff, despite the fact that in the fourth inning, the Padres kind of nickled and dimed him for a couple of runs on several base hits. Interesting side note to all of this as well. Again, there's no cheering, and in my job, I, I don't. I, I really, despite what I said about the 2011 Cardinals, I was a fan of that team. There's no question about it. But at this point, I can be objective. That's what, that, that is part of the gig, and it, it comes naturally to me, believe it or not. And I've talked about this previously on B-Shape Daily. However, I do play fantasy baseball, and tonight my opponent had Adam Wainwright and Hugh Darvish in his starting lineup. And the playoff matchup ends on Sunday. And we've got a, a pretty close battle for ERA and WHIP. It's a categories league. And so I was like, you know, I wouldn't be mad if both these pitchers give up some hits. But for the Cardinals, they were not able to really get much off of you, Darvish. And I think in, in the early part of this game, you can kind of tell the swings they were taking and, and even the takes on certain pitches that they were taking they just weren't seeing him perfectly, and you combine that with a strike zone from Phil Cuzzy that was, how do I put this delicately, bad. It was not good. That That's a recipe that does not serve for offensive success if you're the Cardinals. Cardinals had seven guys tonight rung up on a called third strike by Cuzzy, the home plate umpire. And the very first time the San Diego Padres had one, it was Fernando Tatis, and Jace Tingler, the manager of the Padres, was run from the game in the immediate aftermath of that. I believe, you know, the theory being he had to kind of protect his player and make sure his guy didn't get run from the game. And then you saw, I don't know if you guys saw this on, on Twitter during the game, John Boy, I know, ended up blasting it out. I don't know who originally uncovered this happening in the Padres dugout. But Tatis and Manny Machado were going at it. And, and I believe this was in the aftermath of the strikeout looking that Tatis endured, which I don't know if the call on that was good or bad, but there were definitely some of the seven that the Cardinals had were worse than borderline. They just were flat out not strikes. And we'll get to Tyler O'Neill and his majestic evening and, and the redemption that he was able to secure following a couple of times where he was victimized by Cuzzy on those called third strikes. Neither of the strike threes to O'Neill were strikes, but... We'll get to that in a minute. I just want to reference, if you haven't seen it one more time, the little battle royale bickering going on between Machado and Tatis in the dugout. Really, it was Machado doing all the talking that you saw in the video. But it's pretty interesting. And this was while the Padres were leading the game. But Machado was trying to impress upon Tatis. This was my read from the situation. After Tatis took that third strike, he kind of lingered in the batter's box. And that's a situation where... You got a star player. You don't want to get that guy ejected from the game, especially that early in a game. 
I mean, never. You don't want that ever, but even even more so early in a game. For a game that you need to win, both these teams striving to try to win a wild card here. And that's why Tingler ends up coming out and getting run in a way of protecting his player, make sure his player isn't the guy that gets run. We kind of talked in the press box, you think, with all these strikeouts mounting up for the Cardinals, and it's all looking. You know, they had a few swinging as well, but the strikeouts looking were really mounting, and the strike zone was bad. Like, it was obvious. At some point, if you're Mike Schilt, do you have to get yourself run from the game? And I think the answer to that is you don't if your players are able to do the job themselves without risking their own future in the ballgame. And that's what Tyler O'Neill kind of had with the situation with the second time he was rung up on, on another bad call. He put himself into a situation where he said his piece, but then he got out of there. And so Mike Schultz doesn't have to intervene at that point. But when it came to Tatis, Tingler felt he did need to make sure Tatis wasn't going to get ejected from this game. And Manny Machado, a veteran player, Tatis still 22 years old, young guy. Machado impressing upon Tatis, he says the phrase, it's not about you, among some other choice words, and there is some cursing involved in that. So if you're faint of heart, you know, just keep that in mind. But I definitely recommend you tracking down this video because it's just fascinating dynamic, the fact that, A, they're winning the game still at that point, but they kind of had to be separated in the dugout from, from one another. Tatis was just kind of taking it, really, it seemed like. Machado was letting him have it, but basically saying, we need you in this game, we need you for the season, and we can't afford you to make it about you in that moment because of a, a called third strike. So it was a really interesting dynamic, but I think it, paralleled nicely with what was going on for the Cardinals on the other side. First of all, because they had it happen seven times. I would say at least four of them were more than questionable calls. There was one that was on a curveball that you Darvish dropped into the top of the strike zone. I don't recall who the batter was. It might have been Arenado. I believe Darvish got him once on, on, a, on a strikeout looking. But on a curveball, it's like, okay, on the Fox tracks or whatever you call it now for Bally Sports, you've got the K zone. Did it show technically in the zone? Sure. But a curveball that drops in like that, was it a strike in the catcher's glove? Yeah, with where it landed, sure. But I don't know that it crossed the plate in the strike zone. Very rare that you see a curveball drop in from above and end up clipping the very northernmost part of the zone. But that was kind of an example. They were getting the borderline calls, the Padres were. And of course, when Wainwright needs it, needs it for strikeout number 2,000, he didn't even know it at the time, but... Will Myers, there was a pitch that I'm telling you multiple times it was called on the Cardinals, almost within within a couple of centimeters, this exact location on the outer half was called strike three on the Cardinals. And in this situation, Wainwright did not get the call and ended up getting Myers to ground out, I think it was. And so no strikeout number 2,000 for him. But it's just very interesting the way the Padres had to treat their situation with their manager getting ejected. Mike Schultz didn't have to do it. Tyler O'Neill handled his business, and that's what tonight was all about. The growth of Tyler O'Neill has been evident throughout this season, especially of late. He has carried the Cardinals in so many ways offensively. He's been that guy defensively already. He won the gold glove in 2020. We've seen him do it athletically, what he can do on the baseball field. He's a, he's fast. He can steal bases. He is that guy. And and now, as an all-around player, I think we're we're... There's no denying it at this point. Tyler O'Neill is that dude. He's the guy that can can impact a game as a one-man wrecking crew and take over a game. We talk about how baseball is not a sport where 
you can very frequently see players who are just so uniquely skilled that they have the ability to take over the game single-handedly because baseball is a team sport, maybe more so than any other team sport. Football, I recognize you've got 53 guys and you've got 22 on the field, 11 on each side, and so you've got more hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. But in football, you've got a quarterback and the the singular impact that the quarterback can have on a game, and then you, you maybe get him with one wide receiver or one tight end that can really kind of shift the dynamic of a, of a football game. In baseball, you've got nine players that have to play both offense and defense, and it's very difficult to just the function of the way baseball sets up, have a single guy take over a game. In basketball, five on five, there aren't that many people on the floor. You can have a guy. You can have a LeBron James. You can have a Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can have one guy take over for his team, and impact and be involved in the play pretty much every time down the floor if that's the way you want to run your team. And when you have a superstar player, it makes sense. In baseball, you got to wait. One in every nine, that's your chance to bat. If the ball is hit to you, great, make a play, but you don't get to dictate that. The batter, you know, the batter decides that. The way the pitcher pitches the batter can dictate that maybe a little bit, but you don't get to choose at the level of impact and how frequently you want your superstar players to have an impact. Tyler O'Neill, though, is one of those guys. He's certainly developing into one of those players that, because of the multitude of ways he can impact a game, one in nine is enough. He's going to get his chance, and he's going to make his mark on a game more often than not. And right now what he's doing is just spectacular. The two-run home run tonight in the eighth inning for the Cardinals catapults them to the 3-2 to victory. Giovanni Gallegos shuts the door in the ninth inning because he had no other option. That stadium was in a frenzy after the O'Neill home run to the extent that he did the curtain call. Inning ends, bottom of the eighth ends. He's on his way out to left field in the top of the ninth inning, and he's still tipping his cap out toward the crowd stationed in fair and foul territory kind of around the left field foul pole. As he's making his way out there, he's looking directly at them, and they're still giving him an ovation as he's walking to the field the next inning. That's how... That's how Rock and Bush Stadium was tonight, and we have not seen that. And Adam Wainwright said, we have not seen this. This is the, the best crowd we've seen since 2019, without a doubt. And he was right. I've been at a lot of these games. There hasn't been one like it. They announced over 40,000. Obviously, there weren't 40,000 in the building. You could still see in the corners and the upper decks it was, it was pretty lean. But this was a good crowd. And it set up to be, right, with the... David Freeze bobblehead and the return of that 2011 team. Wayno on the mound. You're facing a contending team that you're, you know, you're battling these guys in the Padres for a postseason spot. There's only, there's only one spot, and either you're going to get it, or the Padres are going to get it, or the Reds are going to get it, or maybe even the Phillies are going to get it. Those are the options. And so you're getting a chance to play one of those teams and basically beat them into submission. That's an exciting thing for a fan base to get to see. And the Cardinals fans that showed up to the ballpark tonight got to see it. It was a great environment. You kind of forget what it can be like, what what a real good environment, baseball environment is like when you haven't. At Bush Stadium, you just haven't seen it that much this year. And again, we can talk about the reasons for that. And we, you know, no sense beating the dead horse necessarily at this point. Now the Cardinals have won seven in a row. But, you know, there have been a lot of games this season that were not like this one. And just the refreshing nature of this game 
for the Cardinals, they felt it too, and they talked about it in the postgame. It was impactful the way Cardinals fans showed out. And I'll play this clip for you from Adam Wainwright. He basically said tonight, it's what we need the rest of the year from you guys. But he wasn't, as Mike Schilt would like to say, he wasn't alibying the the reasons that it hasn't always been that way this season. He understands that there's been frustration from Cardinals fans, and that's not undue in many ways. But Cardinals fans have got to adapt. They've got to they've got to pay attention to the fact that it's going on right now, and this team is doing something special. Seven wins in a row, guys. The Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. Like it's going to happen. I'd be shocked at this point if the St. Louis Cardinals do not play postseason baseball. And at that point, you're talking about one game on October 6th against either the Dodgers or the Giants. And I've convinced myself already that the Cardinals are going to win that game, and you'll see an NLDS with Game 3 at Bush Stadium on Monday, October 11th. That's the way the schedule breaks down. They'll be out in California before that. They're going to have to... The Dodgers and the Giants are going to have to fight that out in the NL West. The loser gets the Cardinals for one game. The loser probably gets Adam Wainwright for one game. I'm going to get a little bit into the realm of baseless fun speculation here, and I rarely do this, so buckle up. But here's the way I see this breaking down. Based on the way the Cardinals are playing right now, like I said, I don't see any way they don't make it. Pitching's going too well. They're getting Dakota Hudson back, by the way. He threw five innings the other night. It was this last night, I believe, in Memphis. Gave up one run, 68 pitches. He's not going to be in the rotation, but the fact that he's worked up to 68 pitches, you have him as a weapon. Whether it's a a piggyback and and maybe somebody like Jack Flaherty can return and give you some innings and and you can go with a a stack of those two guys, you're just going to have options and you're going to have innings out of Dakota Hudson. It maybe isn't going to be five, six innings like a starter would give you, but I think he can be a multi-inning weapon. For a bullpen unit that has already established some level of trust. Like you've got, we've talked about the six guys or so that you've got in that bullpen that you trust, that you feel pretty good about. And Justin Miller came on tonight on Saturday and threw a big inning for the Cardinals. And so you, I don't know that you're adding him to that list, but but Cody Whitley's looked pretty good. Gets another appearance in this game in relief of Wainwright. Scoreless inning. So you've, you've got weapons out there, and then you're going to maybe add Hudson to it. So you love where the pitching's at. The offense has been the thing dragging this team down. Even during that stretch where you weren't getting starting pitching, there were so many games, too, where the offense just didn't provide. And so you just felt hopeless, and there wasn't going to be any way for the Cardinals to win those kinds of games. Now the offense is saying, hey, we're going to come up with the timely hits. We're not out of games. If you can keep us within a couple of runs, we have a chance every single night to make something happen. And they're doing that. And some nights they're just exploding. Others, they're getting that one signature hit like they got on Saturday. So that's my roundabout way of saying the Cardinals are looking like a team on a mission right now, and you can kind of feel it in the air. And so here's where I'm going with this. Dodgers and Giants right now going to pull up the standings so they can give the most up-to-date information that I can possibly find as I prescribe to you what I think is potentially going to happen in the National League playoff picture. Giants and Dodgers are separated right now by two games in the NL West. Dodgers are trailing. I think the Cardinals are going to win the wild card game. Now, more likely, an easier path to doing that is against the Giants, in my opinion. I think the Cardinals would wipe the floor with the Giants in a wild card game. Because the Giants, while they have a very good pitching staff, 
they're better suited for a five-game series. They're going to they're be a tougher team to beat in a five-game series because I don't know if they have that one just dominant throw this guy and you're not going home a starting pitcher that the Dodgers have. If for the Dodgers, that's Max Scherzer. He's pitched out of his mind since the trade that sent him to Los Angeles. And he is the guy that you 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 would look at in a one-game wild card and go, oh boy, that's not somebody you want to run into. Now, the Cardinals have talked about Adam Wainwright's going to pitch every fifth day of the remainder of the season. If I'm not mistaken, that's going to put him on track to pitch the last game of the year. I think the Cardinals are going to put themselves into a position with this second wild card where they don't need Wainwright on that day, and he will go in the wild card game. If they can clinch before the last day of the season, Wainwright gets saved. He's ready to go on Wednesday, October 6th. Now look at it this way. If the Dodgers are fighting for that division win over the Giants and they're within a game or two on that final weekend, now there's a chance that the Dodgers end up throwing Max Scherzer during one of those last games of the regular season, which could either make him unavailable for a wild card game if they if they don't overtake the Giants, or it could at least mean he's got to go on short rest, which could potentially change the dynamic, though knowing Max Scherzer and what he's capable of, maybe it wouldn't even matter. He could go on two days rest and it wouldn't matter. He's just a freak. But I think the best case scenario for the Cardinals is the Giants actually losing that division and you facing them in the wild card game or having to throw Max Scherzer on, on Sunday, the last day of the season, if you're the Dodgers. And that would mean Monday, Tuesday, game Wednesday. They probably don't, they don't throw them on two days rest. Three days rest, I, I can bet they would. Even with Walker Bueller, even with Julio Urias, They've got other really good starting pitchers. They don't have Trevor Bauer, but they've got other guys that you could say, oh, why would we throw someone on short rest? When your season's coming down to one game, you I, I don't and you think Max Scherzer has some bullets, I don't think you waste them. So I know we're getting ahead of ourselves with the speculation, but I wanted to kind of dive into this scenario for you and paint you a picture. Because I see the Cardinals winning that wild card game, and I think whether it's the Giants Padres, or pardon me, whether it's Giants Dodgers or Dodgers Giants, whatever the order of operations, I think the Cardinals and Brewers end up on a collision course for the NLCS. That's what I decided Saturday night walking to the car after this baseball game. I think that's what's going to happen in the National League. Crazy to talk about when a week and a half ago, I probably would have been a little hesitant on the Cardinals even sneaking into the postseason. I don't see any way they don't. And I think when they get there, this is a team that can make some noise. But the Cardinals, this is a little bit of a PSA. I'm going to do it on behalf of Adam Wainwright by sharing what he said in the postgame tonight. Cardinals feel they need y'all's support. Want you to hear from Adam Wainwright and what he had to say about the crowd tonight. Talk a little bit about that before we wrap up this episode. So here's Adam Wainwright from Saturday night's exciting win at Bush Stadium. That was the best crowd of the year. That was the best crowd we've seen since 2019 without question. Um, And they were on their feet, rowdy. And I know that we've played some wretched ball throughout this year at some points. uh, And we had the COVID thing. But fans, we need you just like that the rest of the year. That was incredible. We we, uh, just hearing those that rumble, you know, I mean, that the the. Fans went crazy from the first second of that game on. I mean, it was just an it was an inspiring game from from our fan base tonight. It was really really well done. Thanks for showing up for us, and we we need you the rest of the way. We're gonna play some big games, so be cool to have you. 
Thanks for sticking with us too. I know it's been frustrating. We've been frustrating for you, but we love you. Glad you're back. I just found it really interesting what Adam Wainwright had to say there because I think it tapped into some of what the fans have been experiencing as we talked about a little earlier in the show. Just the idea that there were reasons not to show up to the ballpark, but now it feels like this team is giving you reasons to go back. And you know what? You might get rewarded for doing it because you might end up getting to see something cool. I think the Cardinals are on the verge of something cool. I've explained uh, my reasoning for that, and time is going to tell if that ends up coming to fruition or not. But certainly, Adam Wainwright's telling you to get on down there to Bush. So I'm going to be interested to see what it looks like, the crowds for the rest of this season. Cardinals just have one more game on this homestand on on Sunday. It's a, a, a kind of a quick one, just a three-game series, and then they'll head back on the road facing Milwaukee. And so then they'll be on the road for a while, and obviously their performance on the road can potentially dictate where they are in the standings as they come back home for the next homestand that they'll have. But I'm be interested to see how the how the, the crowds look the rest of the way. Not too many games left, but definitely they're all going to be meaningful. So interested to see what that ends up looking like. There were some other compelling quotes as well from the Cardinals tonight. I want to give you one more from Wainwright. It's just kind of we're going to we're going to give you some clips here as we wrap up the show. Adam Wainwright talking though about Tyler O'Neill, and we talked about the complete player that Tyler O'Neill has morphed into. This was a little more insight into what it's been like for Tyler O'Neill and the development that he's had. Because you remember, Tyler O'Neill, I mean, he hasn't had a year in Major League Baseball with double-digit home runs before 2021. Last season, he was hitting below 200. He hit like 170-something for his batting average. The OPS was not noteworthy. After last season, on Tyler, I mean, Tyler O'Neill was not taking meaningful at-bats in the postseason last year. Like, the Cardinals couldn't, they didn't feel they could trust him with those big at-bats. And now he is the team's most productive hitter. And that development has taken place, and it's noticeable. Mike Schildes talked about it, and Adam Wainwright, I thought, had the best quote about it. And so I wanted to play that from Adam Wainwright here for you, talking about Tyler O'Neill and the development that he has made for his career into becoming the player that he's been, a guy who can impact a game the way he has for the Cardinals and certainly the way he did on Saturday night. He's been absolutely huge. Uh, especially down the stretch, like you said. But he's had several moments like that where he's hit a dramatic home run for us to go up late in the game. And uh, But he's playing great defense also. He's taking tough at-bats. You know, I, we, knew, we knew he was going to be good. The front office has always said that they think this guy's going to be the next 40-40 guy. And just being honest, I didn't know if that was going to happen. There was a lot of swing and miss in his game. He had to – he had to change some of his swing patterns and some of his uh, just some of his approach at the plate. And what I see out of him now is a guy who is in the film room studying. He's got a great idea of what the pitcher's trying to do. He's he's got a great idea of what he's trying to accomplish. He's got a good approach. He knows his strengths. And uh, that's man, that's that's what's called growing up in in a clubhouse right there, growing up as a as a complete player. And that is exactly what he is as a complete player. So Adam Wainwright was singing the praises of Tyler O'Neill. Mike Schilt has been doing the same. I mean, earlier in the week, last last week, the last series the Cardinals had before this one, seemed like multiple times I asked Mike Schilt questions about Tyler O'Neill because he was performing with big plays, big swings in those games as well. 
He does it again tonight, and he ends up being the story. It's pretty remarkable. So let's go ahead and let you hear from Tyler O'Neill because there were some some good entertaining moments as well from his post-game Zoom. want to play one that was just hilarious. It just gives you a, a peek into the the personality that Tyler O'Neill is. Like, he's just pretty straightforward. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, on his way to first base, he's trying to coax the ball out. And Katie, I believe, asked him the question about about it, where he just said that I needed that one. That ball's just got to go. And Derek, you'll hear him, Derek Gould, ask the follow-up question as to why O'Neill felt he needed this one. And I just thought it was just so funny. It was it was entertaining, so I wanted to play this for you and see what else I can find for you before we get out of here. So here's Tyler Derek Gould. You'll hear his question and then Tyler O'Neill's response. Tyler, two quick things. You just said that you needed that one. I mean, you're on quite a tear here with extra base hits in four consecutive games, a bunch of hits here recently. What, what do you mean by you needed that? Oh, I mean, you can always do a little better. So, honestly, sky's the limit. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm struggling or anything. Um, I mean, the ball's just got to get up, Derek. It's just got to go. <laughs> got to go for the boys. That's it. <laughs> I mean, if that's not just the and, – and Twitter has taken to calling him bro, which I think is a lovely nickname for Tyler O'Neill. If that's not just the most bro statement, like, why did you need that one for you personally? What made it so well? It's just got to go, Derek. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good, and those are the moments you get when Tyler O'Neill's making things happen for the Cardinals because he's he's on these post game zooms a lot because he's been an impact player for the St. Louis Cardinals down the stretch run of the season. And we talked about how his swing in the eighth inning was redemptive in some ways, not from anything that he had done wrong previously, but from kind of the umpires called third strikes that that screwed him a little bit in the fourth inning and sixth inning when those are opportunities potentially the Cardinals had things working had things moving where they especially in one of those innings could have ended up putting some runs on the board and it didn't happen called third strike was a reason for that so I wanted to play Tyler O'Neill's reaction I probably could have plugged it in earlier in the podcast but it's a little late at night and I'm a little scrambled brained here so I'm going to play it here toward the end to kind of leave you with this note that exemplifies some of the growth that we've discussed throughout this podcast regarding Tyler O'Neill, and would love you as well if you're a listener of the podcast but you don't find yourself often going over to kmov.com to check out my articles would love you to read my story on O'Neill from tonight will be posted to twitter at 7 a.m i've got the scheduled tweet ready to send out but if you're not a big Twitter person, and if you are, it's at bshafer12. Go over to kmov.com slash sports and check out the Tyler O'Neill story that I wrote. Interesting insight from Wainwright that we played some of as well. But I wanted you to hear this. In case you missed the story, you'll get to hear O'Neill's point of view. I think this, just, this quote exemplifies it right here coming up. The way he's matured and growed. Growed? Grown? I think grown is what I'm looking for here. Damn, it's late. The way he's grown as a player, I think you see it in the way he reacts. And I'm not trying to pit him against Tatis. We talked a lot about Tatis and the way he kind of reacted to that situation and had to be chewed out by Machado a little bit, a guy with a little more of a veteran status. But I think it's very impressive for O'Neal to react the way he did to the situation and then to come back and at the end of the game have the signature moment that kind of makes it all worth it. 
So here's Tyler O'Neill. I you'll hear me ask him about that situation with the strike zone and how he reacted and what he had to say about it. You alluded a little bit to the strike zone kind of battling that tonight. What's the importance of being able to kind of plead your case as you did a little bit there after the second strikeout, but to know that you've got a huge at-bat potentially still coming later in this game and your team's going to need you for it? Yeah, no, you said it perfect there, Bren. Uh, you know, Phil's, Phil's a good umpire. He's been around the league a long time, you know. I thought a couple calls of me were off the plate, but, you know, that was his zone, and I got to adjust as a, as a player. So the um, thing with, with me is just trying to stay disciplined as I can, not miss the pitch to hit. You know, that's that was it. So just uh, just maturing. That's it. Tyler O'Neill puts the onus on himself to say, that's me. I've got to be the guy to adjust to what the umpire's zone is, and I can't let that impact me moving forward. And he didn't on Saturday, and it ended up being the difference of the game for the Cardinals. Really impressive stuff by a young player that is certainly coming into his own in this league and finding ways. I mean, OPS-wise, he leads the Cardinals. He's 19th in major leagues uh, among all qualifying hitters. He's closing in on 30 home runs. He certainly looks likely to get there with still a, a couple of weeks remaining in this season. It's been really impressive what he's done. And also like the, uh, the little reference there in answering my question, had a discussion in the press box. Did he say Bren or did he give you the full Brendan? Uh, I, I think I chalk it up to the accent a little bit. He's got that thick Canadian accent. My collegiate roommate, freshman year at Mizzou, guy from Minnesota. So not the same accent, but, you know, similar influences. And it always sounded like Bren, too, when he when he said my name. So I think that was what Tyler was doing there. But big night for bro. Huge night for the Cardinals. They continue to assert themselves in this wild card race. Sunday's going to be a big one. Cardinals can go for the sweep, and the pitching matchup is juicy. Can I say that? Is that right? In a matchup that pits Jay Happ against Jake Arietta. A couple few years ago, that would have been a marquee matchup. Now, Happ, the numbers aren't as good for him this season, but with the Cardinals, much better than they were with the Twins. Even with that one clunker of a start, Hap has been much better in St. Louis than his time earlier in the season with Minnesota. And so, he'll take on Arietta, whose numbers have just been god-awful no matter where he's been. Udarvish had struggled as of late, but he was able to get the Cardinals tonight, keep them in check. Will Arietta be able to do the same tomorrow? How will Hap fare? Going to be interesting. Cardinals would love to get this sweep. They'd love to put themselves into this situation where you can continue to take care of business against these teams that you're, you know, you're vying for that wild card with these teams. And the more you beat up on them, the more they turn into non-factors. The Cardinals turned the Mets into a complete non-factor, which maybe they were already doing that to themselves. But the Mets were 72 and 72 coming into that series against the Cardinals. Cardinals swept them. And now they're 72 and 77. They haven't won a game since. And they're out of the race. They're just not in the picture anymore. The Padres, I'm not saying they're on the verge of having that done to them, but they're continuing to lose games. The Reds, they're right in the, the mix as well. They're above the Padres at this point in time. The Cardinals are ahead of Cincinnati by two games, and they lead the Padres now by two and a half. To be able to nudge the Padres out of the picture at least a little bit further, that would be good. And then you've got Philadelphia, though, creeping in. So it's just like... You cut off one head and two grows in its place. But the Cardinals are continuing to, to slice off heads of National League contenders. 
Phillies are playing good. I, I did not see that coming. I kind of counted them for, for dead there after they fell out of the race in the NL East, but they're starting to climb back in just a, a game behind the Braves at this point. The Cardinals, though, after this series wraps up against the Padres on Sunday, it's just divisional the rest of the way. Brewers and Cubs, Brewers and Cubs. That's the way the Cardinals finish up this season. The Brewers are playing really, really well, but they've already clinched their postseason berth. They're going to win that division in the NL Central. The Cardinals can't catch them. That's fine. But some huge games remaining against divisional opponents that would love nothing more than to count the Cardinals out and to be able to make their lives a little bit more miserable. And so finish up with the Padres, get that sweep, do everything you can do to say, hey, we took our shot at San Diego and whatever happens from here with them is out of our control, but we did what we had to do against them. That's the mindset the Cardinals have got to take against the Padres and then continue to take care of their business as they'll play some mental central foes the rest of the way. But things are getting down to the nitty-gritty now, folks. You've you've got just those two teams that you'll face following Sunday's game. One road trip and then one homestand to finish things off. It's coming down to the wire. October is nearly upon us. The Cardinals are intent upon getting there. The rest of this month will decide whether or not they get to. You've still got a few games at the beginning of October. Those are against the Cubs at home. But the end of September, it's going to be critical for the Cardinals to finish up strong. And right now, they're right in that seven-game winning streak. And so, I don't know. I don't know if the momentum is going to stop anytime soon. I'd be kind of surprised if the Cardinals don't get it done on Sunday. It'll be Hap and Arietta. I think the offense has a big day against Arietta. Kind of uh, shaking loose some of the rust from Saturday's game. I don't know if they just didn't say Darvish that well. What happened? It was a strike zone. Got in their head. Whatever. I think Sunday ends up being a, kind of a bounce-back game for the offense. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals make it eight in a row. We'll see if it happens, and if it does, if it doesn't, either way, we'll be here for B-Shape Daily, breaking things down the rest of the season. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you've not done so already. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Head over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on more platforms to find where you can locate the show. All the options are out there for you. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at bshafer12. Send me some direct messages. Let me know what you're thinking about this Cardinals team and any topics you'd like to have discussed on the show. would be happy to field those requests as well. Thank you all for listening. As always, appreciate you guys very much. We'll talk to you next time on bshafe Daily. Peace.